Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last night. We had a fantastic show last night. Everything you could want in a program. Um, I hope your day is going very well. I hope it's fun. I hope it's productive. The weekend is approaching, which is always a very, you know, comfortable and convenient and, and huge relief, kind of, if you know what I mean. Uh, as usual, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are absolutely incredible. The show is listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. And everybody, I got my media site launching this week. Be ready. We're going to be having so many different big names on there doing their own shows, 24-7 news coverage, all that amazing stuff. So I can't wait. I can't wait. I know we've been working on it, and, you know, it's kind of been put on the back burner and, and kind of delayed for the last couple of weeks, and I apologize. But uh, fun stuff, man, fun stuff. But here we are, episode 267. You know, the week uh, has been hectic. It's been uh, – uh, we might as well make 2020 a movie. Call it tw- – I mean, think about what's going on. I, I, what I'm witnessing, and, I, and I'll tell you what, guys, I go on the TikTok or I go on YouTube, and you can watch these videos for hours. I mean, it's sad, it's pathetic, but these looters and, and these, these terrorists, they'll go to whatever level. I mean, I've seen it all. Like, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, this is a whole nother third world uh, situation that we are dealing with, people. You know, um, God, and um, you know we're gonna get we're gonna get to a lot of a lot of um, major major announcements uh, this evening. Uh, the numbers of our show just keep skyrocketing. Um, you know, we have a lot, as everybody knows, planned. Um, I have a lot um, of new things that will, um, and, I, and I'll be talking about this uh, here in the coming weeks. So, and I also I want to mention. Um, you guys, wherever you are, you know, I hope everything, you know, is safe for you. You know, I hope that, uh, you know, you're staying, you know, uh, you know, as far away from this madness as possible. Absolutely a joke. I mean, it's what we're witnessing. I, I yeah, it's, I, 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 Jesus. I want to welcome to the panel. I believe he's with us right now. We have political operative and political consultant, Corey Jones. Corey, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? Uh, thanks for having me back, Rory. I think the uh, last time I was on was last week, whenever um, you know all these riots and so-called peaceful protests started kicking off. And you know, I thought the next time that I talked to you or be in your program, everything would have quieted down, but it doesn't seem to be the case. So um, you know, people are. It looks like even um, mainstream conservatives that were initially blaming everything on on George Soros and failing to call out Black Lives Matter and and pinning all of the blame on Antifa, which that is the case. A lot of the blame has to be pinned on Antifa for the riots. But what I've seen is that there's many, um, you know, a lack of a willingness for conservatives to call out Black Lives Matter. And you have people like Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk now that have had enough, and now they're talking about uh, really the heart of these riots and the heart of these protests. So hopefully we can get it calmed down. you know, hopefully these Democrat mayors and governors will actually step up to the plate and finally uh, do their jobs because America's burning. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and there's no, you know, 
look at what's happening. I mean, they're, they're taking damn forklifts and crashing them into Best Buy. I mean, they're, they're going into Rolex stores. They're stealing cop cars. They're burning down police stations. I mean, and this is all because of justice for George Floyd. Give me a break. These people just want an excuse to go out there and cause chaos because there was a poll. Over 50% of the morons that were out there didn't even know who George Floyd was when they were asked. Oh, of course. And guess what? You don't wake up one day and randomly start looting a store or setting a business on fire. Many of these people are just career criminals. They've never been caught before. So you know, a good moral person doesn't get up and just join into the fight. I don't want to hear anything about the psychology behind a mob mentality and what goes along with that. There are bad people out there that are looting, and it's just, it's just funny that people try to separate the peaceful protests from the rioters because you know, every single time that I see one of these peaceful protests, it's just interesting. Right, yeah, I, I hate hearing them. that term. You know what I mean, Corey? Like the, the Democrats yeah. and the mainstream media use that bullshit term, and, and it's totally not it, – it's untrue. They're, it's nothing but violence. But they say that because they don't want they don't want to offend anybody. It's a sensitive PC. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, it's it's been so difficult to find footage of actual peaceful protests that it's now become breaking news whenever a police. I can't find any, Corey. I can't find any. And I, I'm on the internet all the time. I see everything. That's what I do. And and you you do too. You're just like me. You're always keeping up with what's going on. It makes no freaking sense when they say this whole peaceful thing. Go ahead, though. Sorry. I go on. I get yeah, so yeah, mad about last, this. Last, last thing I'll say for this little introduction, because I know you have a lot of uh, other things to get into before we get into the actual no, segment. No, keep going. No, keep going. Go ahead. No, continue okay. with what you were saying. It's okay. Yeah, no, no. Let, let, let me say this. So it's, and I, this, this, um, this little thing that I'm going to say right now, it was inspired by the uh, Tucker Carlson monologue that was given Love a few him. nights back. But who exactly are the peaceful protesters that are out there on the streets? Are they the people that are spitting in the faces of cops or putting up their mingle, their, their middle fingers in the, in the faces of the police? Are they the people that are videotaping the looters that are clapping as cars are being set on fire? I mean these peaceful protests, I mean you don't have to be engaged in violence to not be peaceful. I mean there is, there's just a certain level of, of, of decency that we would, we would expect from people that are out there uh, protesting for their cause, but we're not getting that. I mean, just because right. just because you're not burning down a building doesn't mean that you're you're protesting in a peaceful manner. These people are inciting violence. They're, these Hollywood elites are bailing out the rioters, the people that are setting their communities on fire. Everybody that it's condoned yep. or justified these riots is to blame for what's happening in Minneapolis and all across the nation. And here, and Corey, you know what's crazy is these. You know what what happened to social distancing? All of a sudden, that whole brainwashing, manipulative. <laughs> Dumbass narrative just disappeared. Now all these people can be out there doing whatever the hell they want, destroying cities, but we can't open our businesses. People can't, you know, go to restaurants. People can't go to these places. It's ridiculous. And if you notice, most of these places that still have the stay at home and, you know, encouraging rioters is run by Democrats. Red states are pretty much all back open for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just honestly devastating. They shut businesses down, small businesses specifically, and, for two to three months. And then as soon as they're and, allowed to get back and you know open, what else? You know what else? people go out in the streets and burn them this. down. We don't, we, don't see this go, we don't see this go on in, red, in, in places run by Republicans. This is all Democrats. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's no coincidence, right? I mean, Minneapolis today, I think the city council in Minneapolis just voted to 
really dissolved their entire uh, police force, and they're replacing it with something else. I saw a tweet about that. I'll, I'll look more into that later on in the program. But, yeah, let's see how Can that works imagine? out for you. It's not like Minneapolis had a low crime rate to begin with. Whenever you pull the police out of those communities, guess what the crime rate's going to do? It's not going to drop. It's not going to fall. It's going to skyrocket because whenever you pull police out of neighborhoods, they, the, the people that are rioting feel like they have the license to go burn police stations down and to go loot businesses. So we're going to see what happens with this little stupid experience. Experiment, uh, experiment of the uh, Minneapolis City Council. So, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, absolutely, Ridiculous. absolutely, and uh, you know, it's um, it's interesting because you know that whole narrative, and we're going to get a lot into that tonight about the whole, uh, you know, defunding police. I mean, you you've got these, you know, jerk off celebrities who have their mansions, have their armed armed guards, and they're trying to say, let's defund the police. And then you have all these liberals who are protected, these politicians, saying, let's defund the police. I never thought in my existence, regardless of political affiliation, it would get this insane. We're talking about – I mean, can you imagine? It's it's just like – it's unfathomable. Well, I'll say this. Later on in the – segment i'll uh, i'll be addressing the myth of uh, police brutality or at least widespread police brutality um that's being right. um you know just just spread across our, our nation right now it's just um you know it's absolutely disgraceful because we have so many um great men and women who put on that badge every day from across all um creeds religions ethnicities cultures backgrounds they put on that badge and serve their communities just like david dorn the uh, black police officer who was shot dead in St. Louis while trying to defend his community, 77 years old, retired. He was shot in his own yep. blood while these savage rioters streamed his death yep. on Facebook Live. These people are absolutely black, disgusting. And black lives matter nowhere to be found. Nope. His life doesn't matter. <laughs> it never – and you know what? It only in, – in George Floyd's life, it matters to be – Only if he's a white cop. Yep. And you, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yep. It's just um, absolutely horrific, and this narrative of widespread police brutality against African Americans in this country is not supported by um, any statistical analysis that you can find. I mean, there's there's truly no um, no data or no evidence to support this this uh, correlation between you know police officers uh, you know killing unarmed blacks in this country. It's just a myth. It doesn't happen at the rate at which people are claiming that it does. What? what? Well, think about what it does for the, you know, and, I, and I've talked about this on my show many times. And uh, by the way, everybody, I'm, I'm getting to everybody on the panel. Don't worry, guys. We're going to talk about a lot of conversations. But, Corey, I want to tell you, I talk about this on my show all the time. You know, what these Democrats do and, and how they really grow their base is by dividing people by race. They can put people in boxes, portray them as victims, say they're, you know, oh, my God, they're they're unequal to everybody else. And, you know, in the whole white privilege thing. Well, you know, you know, that's the, that's, that's even, that's even more racist. I think that's one of the biggest racist statements I've ever heard. You know, I know a lot of poor white people. I also know a lot of rich black people. So, you know, I, I, this whole, everybody in this country, you know, for the most part is looked at as human politicians want in the mainstream media want us to think otherwise. And, you know, I, I just can't believe how sad uh, society is, you know, how it's become. I mean, this, this is really what we're at. I mean, we're really going back to a situation that is worse than the 60s. I mean, and the Democrats are cheering it on. Yep. And, and you know what? There are just so many people out there, and specifically 
um, white Americans that have been bullied and browbeaten into believing that they're guilty for sins that they've never committed. And I see people right. um, taking knees and apologizing in this in this effort oh, yeah. of corporate repentance for acts that they've yeah. never committed, for slaves that they've never owned, for racism that they've never enacted upon other individuals in this country. It's just sickening to me, and it's um, you know, and, and what does that teach the younger generation? And I saw this picture, this this girl, um, this seven year old girl, this mother uploaded a picture of her daughter, and she was holding a sign that said "privileged." And she was taking a knee. This girl has probably never committed a single sin in her life, you know, at seven years old. And she's apologizing for – and that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is racism ultimately at the end of the day. That's what it is. It's racism. And so it's, it's okay. It's become societally acceptable to perpetuate racism against white Americans. Um, but God forbid somebody like Drew Brees stand up and say, yeah, I, I don't think I'm comfortable with kneeling for the flag. I mean, my God, he's gotten – He's almost gotten more pushback for saying that he won't right. kneel for the flag than the right. people that actually killed, like David Dorn, or the people that are out there killing, you know, individuals in these riots, or the actual rioters themselves. But God forbid somebody like Drew Brees or any other um, white or non-white American, somebody like Candace Owens, who has an opinion that that sort of deviates from societal dogma, they get absolutely crucified, and it's disgusting. And you know what's sad? Nobody really bats an eye or really says anything when a black person calls a white person a cracker. You know, it's, it's okay if they do it, but everybody has all this outrage if somebody, if a, if a white person does it to them. It's a double standard. Racism exists in every single scenario, whether it's directed towards an Asian person, whether it's directed towards a Mexican person. It doesn't matter of the race. Racism is racism. Color is color. And when they say people of color, I'll say this. I'll keep saying this. Well, what do you think I am? White's a color, too. Stop labeling yourself and trying to say you get all this special treatment and, and, you know, it's the victim status. And, you know, these people bitch about the flag and, you know, they still want to be in this country. I mean, they say how bad our country is. They say how oppressed it is. Then leave. Leave. We don't yep. want you. And we've got people like LeBron James, you know, people that have never, you know, <laughs> the only thing he knows how to do is bounce a ball and, and shoot in a hoop. And he, and he has all this influence over all these, you know, uh, not very educated individuals. You know, uh, it, it, it's a sad existence. And, and Drew Brees comes out and, you know, says what he believes and immediately gets crucified by people like LeBron James and all these different punks who, who support Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I, I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. People, yeah. I, I thought the and, and guess, beautiful thing about America was that we're allowed to have our own opinions. Those... We're allowed to have our own thoughts. Yeah. I thought, you know, that's, yeah. that's what freedom's about, you know? Well, those same people are the ones claiming that white privilege exists. If there was truly white right, privilege, right, and that's racist. Because you're basically society. generalizing every white person based. You're generalizing a whole race by saying white privilege. How are you but, not? But listen, you know, the society. Why would Drew Brees have to post a picture on Facebook today and apologize for stating that he wouldn't kneel for the flag? You would think that society, if this was truly a white supremacist society, they would support Drew Brees. Drew Brees would never have to apologize. He wouldn't have to live in fear. Or the Sacramento right. Kings, a reporter that was fired three days ago for saying all lives matter. God forbid he says all lives matter. He'll be fired. Yeah. You know, it's like this myth of white supremacy. I talked about that on my show yesterday. Yeah, the announcer. That yeah. Got, yeah, he either got fired or he got suspended for saying all lives matter. And, you know, it's racist to, to say <laughs> black lives matter because the myth, cause I'll tell you why. 
we have to say Black Lives Matter, otherwise we're considered racist. But in reality, they're the real racist because they will only want to focus on themselves, and their whole mentality is basically screw everybody else. That Listen, there are just too many people in society that are too determined uh, to prove that they're not racist. That's why every single person on the internet, and every large corporation will post right. a picture of a black square on Instagram or social media to prove and yeah. urge you that they stand with all the people that are out there protesting and rioting, that they stand against social and, injustice. And it's mainly – here it is. It's mainly white white liberals that are trying to pander, trying to act like they know what it feels like to grow up in the ghetto or you know, be a, you know, live that life. But they're ignorant because they've never even been anywhere near th- those neck of the woods. But, but you know why they do it? Because they want to add more victims. It's the same thing with the smelly feminists or the LGBTQRS. They add more victims, add more boxes, and then they can continue to advance their narrative. This is what they do, and it's sick, and it's twisted, and it's backwards ideology. And let's face it, equality for feminism or for Black Lives Matter, it's not about that. It's about superior, being taking over. It's not about – because equality is bullshit. It, it's all bullshit. I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not, you know, uh, a freaking, you know – seven-foot center in the NBA. I'm not a major league baseball player. I'm not Ken Griffey Jr. We all have our different gifts and skills that we're born with, but we cannot all get trophies. These people are ridiculous. They're wimps. They're soy boys. I mean, this is the – we need the old days where the toughness comes back. Too many people are coddled. Too many people are entitled. Too many people think they're owed something, and it's pissing me off every day. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the day, um, the reason why I'm I'm so passionate against this, you know, this false narrative of this, you know, this white supremacist society or institutional racism that exists in modern America, is not because I want to deny, um, you know, the experiences that certain people have had in our country. If you tell me that you have faced racism in your life, then I'm going to believe you. However, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to let you indict an entire society based on your subjective experiences. You have to detach yourself from your subjective reality to look at objective truths. And so you know, ultimately, whenever you say – whenever people say things like there's a white supremacist society, that whites are out here hunting down blacks on a daily basis without any justice, without um, – you know, any, any retribution acted back against them through a legal system, then what that does is it demonizes an entire group of people on the basis of their race. And that is dangerous, actually. That's extremely dangerous. Because what you're telling is. people is that there are certain individuals that are born with this innate desire to be racist. And that's what Van Jones said on CNN, actually, the other day. He said right. that every he white said the most dangerous, the most dangerous are the white liberals, Hillary, the Hillary white liberals. And he said, and I quote, he said exactly this statement, even the most well-intentioned white person, even the Hillary Clinton voter, the, the liberal uh, white Hillary Clinton voter, has a virus in his or her brain that can spark in an instant. And so what he's saying is that no matter what you do, no matter how progressive you are, if you are white, you have a racist virus in your brain that can spark in an instant. And there's nothing that you can do to cure yourself from it. And that is very dangerous, dangerous talk from people in the mainstream media. But Van Jones won't be called a racist. Van Jones won't be fired. In fact, Van Jones will be praised. People can tweet those things on Twitter and get 400,000 likes and retweets because it has become societally acceptable and permissible 
to be racist against certain individuals in this country, and those individuals, well, are whites. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah, very well said. We've got a lot to get into tonight. Glad you could join us, Corey. Yes, sir. Um, it's going to be a fun show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have a lawyer and uh, very popular guy doing a lot of big stuff right now, political consultant Mike Yoder. Michael, what's up? What's up, Rory? How are you doing? Doing good, man. What's new? What's the latest? Oh, just uh, living in the liberal cesspool, as I always say. Uh, looking, trying to find a restaurant I can go to for lunch that isn't entirely boarded up and uh, trying not <laughs> to get shot with rubber bullets on the way home from work. Just the average day living in the nation's capital. You're, oh, yeah, you're in D.C. I mean, I saw some of the footage, and you, you were going live in the streets. I mean, these people are animals. These people are all over the I, – I mean, you literally think you're living in a whole different universe. I, I literally I, – I, you can't wrap your brain around it. No, I mean, it was – I went out on Friday night because I knew that it was going to be the first night where there was a little bit of uh, excitement, I guess, would be a, a way to put it because it, they weren't looting and, and rioting yet. But I went out on Friday night because I thought that was probably going to be the only night that it would be even remotely safe for me to go out. And, you know, I got there and it was just some – it was a standoff initially with a lot of protesters, and I still say protesters, not criminals or rioters yet, that were just sort of yelling at Secret Service. And I just thought, you know, imagine dedicating your life to serving this country and what you're faced with is people screaming and yelling in your face. It's not like you're the cop that did anything, Right. Like, you didn't do anything, or you wouldn't have a uniform on. So they just stand there and take it, and then fights slowly started breaking out. And, you know, I was next to Leland Vitter with Fox when, uh, you know, I kept telling people he was with CNN. He was with CNN trying to keep them from attacking him. And, you know, five, ten minutes later, they just they went off and attacked him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing after the other. It's absolutely ludicrous. You know, I, I've never, the way, and the way they're going about things, I mean, it's solving nothing except costing taxpayers more money. It's just going to, you know, destroy their, and think about this. They're destroying their own community and they think that's serving justice. They think that's, you know, you know, solving the problem. They think that's really, you know, getting, they think that's going to get people's attention. And, well, it is, but in the wrong way, not in the right way. They're not accomplishing a, a, anything out of this. It's ridiculous. No, and that was – so a couple of things that I, I was doing when I was out streaming live was I would go up to people and I would say, can you tell me something about George Floyd? And they'd say he was black and he was killed by a cop, a white cop. I'd say, okay, can you tell me anything in addition to him? Because typically when you mourn the loss of someone, there's some level of eulogizing them. This man had dreams of becoming a doctor. This man was a loving father. This person was a son. This person was an uncle. This person loved whatever sports team. There was something about him. But you know what? No one, let, a, let alone the fact of how many people don't even know who or what the incident surrounding George Floyd is, but no one there who even knew what George Floyd and the whole protest movement was about knew a fact about George Floyd other than the fact that a black man was killed by a white cop. And I in no way condone or think that any of the actions by those officers were in any way unequivocally acceptable. 
they were disgusting, and I hope that those officers face the full level of the law. And, you know, I wanted to mention that you, did you see how the officers now were charged with murder too? It was bumped up from third degree murder to second degree murder. Did you see that? Or excuse me, Derek, Chauvin, yeah, not did. all three. Did. I did. I did see that. And, and, you know, that is a very poor choice in my opinion, from a legal standpoint. And the reason is, is because they succumbed to political pressure by increasing the charges. And the one distinguished and absolute difference between a murder three charge and a murder two charge is that you have to prove intent to kill. Now, I'm not opining as to whether the facts and the evidence will be able to show whether they can prove that. But that is one hell of a burden to be able to prove intent because you have to get inside the mind of another person. And it is difficult to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I was going to say, um, you know, we're always talking about, this is what's sad about this country and, and really pathetic and how so many individuals are uneducated. You know, when they see a white cop, you know, automatic, you know, and a black man gets killed in front of him, that the first thing they jump to is racism. I mean, not, majority of America is not racist. You know, the, the media may want you to think that, but we don't, even, we don't ever even talk about anything else but race when, this sort, when these sort of situations happen. I mean, it could be, any, it could be for any reason, and we just saw the autopsy, and, and as of now, it's obviously murder. I mean, there, you know, he, it, it was not okay what happened. But we, there's more facts to come out. I mean, now that he had all this different, uh, what, fentanyl and different drugs in his system, um, there were uh, – obviously he had a heart condition. Uh, there's different, you know, scenarios. I know, you know, obviously he was asking for help, and they were being jerks and, and not giving him, you know, uh, attention. Uh, but I don't think they – I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard – really right now, absolutely murder. But then you go and look, and you're like, well, why – I mean, what, what, what do you think? Well, here's, I mean, I mean you're a lawyer. for me, here's the, here's the thing with it. I don't even look at the autopsy results, whether there's contributing factors or things of that nature. Is there something that could exacerbate it? Sure. But if you think about a situation where someone is dying, let's say someone gets shot in the stomach and they're bleeding out and someone comes up and stabs them with a knife. Well, if they were going to die anyways, you're still getting hit with murder because you accelerated that death. So his pre-existing conditions, while they could be contributing factors, they weren't the right. ultimatum. He didn't die of an OD and then was asphyxiated. And just because of those things, I don't talk about anything in regard to the autopsy report because I just say that this is murder and it's murder, period. And the reason I say that is because when we start to discuss autopsy results and stuff like that, what it does is it sends a message to A, anyone that wants to spin the story, but B, the lower – uh, you know, the lower capacity people that don't have the ability to think super in depth Here, about the issue. Let, and they just initially say it's a defense. No, I, I hear you. No, and I absolutely, I, you know, I, I, I get, I, I, and I totally, you know, agree in that sense. But I will say this, obviously the, the, the way I, the way I see the murder, the way, the reason I call it murder is because they had his, he was already handcuffed and they had his knee on his neck you know, that, that's why I say it was murder, and he's saying, help, help, help. But obviously, we, you know, the, the, there could have been another way he could have died, like all the drugs, all that heart condition. But, you know, it, it's such a confusing situation because so many different things going on at once. 
but they should absolutely be charged because if you're holding a guy on the ground regardless like that for four minutes and he's handcuffed, I mean, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the other thing too is like you don't – you know, and I, I'm going to stick with, with the, the pre-existing conditions don't matter. He wouldn't have died but for the officer's actions. It was a direct and proximate cause of his death. And, you know, whether you can prove an intent to kill is, is a different level. But here's the issue that I'm seeing. The defending of the, you know, the autopsy results and stuff like that, what that does is it pisses the people off that are very far, you know, in-depth into the Black Lives Matter movement. And on the other yeah. side of that, the Black Lives Matter movement, by rioting, looting, stealing, setting stuff on fire, and just committing massive carnage throughout major cities in America, those people are pissing off the people that are on the very far right who are actually the racists. Now, the issue is that when you act out in the, these types of protests, or when you talk about the autopsy results, what you're doing mm-hmm. is that you're taking people that are at the far ends of the spectrum, the people that are absolutely, you know, Black Lives Matter all the way, anti-Trump all the way, and then people that are, you know, the neocons, the super far-right, gun-toting, uneducated Republicans that are very, very, very far, far right, the alt-right. <laughs> and what you're doing is they look at the Black Lives Matter protest, and it bolsters their beliefs, and they say, hmm, see, this is why I feel like this. And then when you have people that are saying, well, look, what about his preexisting conditions? Then you have the people on the left saying, hmm, see, this is why I feel like this. And it doesn't bring anything together. Right. So it's no middle ground the issue. Because by protesting and setting stuff on fire, you're just bolstering the beliefs of the people's minds who you want to change. And not to mention, you're pissing people off who aren't already predisposed or have any sort of bias or prejudice in any sort of way. So it's actually hurting your cause, not to mention your city, not to mention fellow African-Americans and blacks and, and just you know, people in general. But there is not a single benefit to doing what you're doing, and these people are not activists. They're just opportunists. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Very well said. You know, we're living, we're living in a time where, you know, and you're like, like you said, you know, everybody – and we can't change these people's minds, unfortunately. They're, they're stuck in their ways. Either they're, like you said, far left, far right. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's apples and oranges. They have a totally different beliefs. It's just like if you turn on CNN or Fox News, you're to- always going to get something different. You know what I mean? It's, it's the world we live in. It's so weird. And um, I, I just I, I want well, because more. we don't have anyone that reaches across the aisle. In either direction. Exactly. Yeah. The, the way that I've been going about it, I'm, like, I'm, on, I'm doing Facebook Lives all the time. I'm talking to people that have different beliefs. I'm on Twitter talking to people that have differing beliefs. And the reason I do it is because no one has a safe space that's on the opposite side of what they believe. And I'm not going to change my beliefs. I am a Trump supporter through and through, and I was never going to change because of my morals, right. my values, and the way that I was raised. But just because someone else has differing beliefs doesn't mean that you don't have the same root. And my whole thing is believe what you want, but you damn well better have a fact to prove it or to satisfy or to, to bolster your belief. And if I ask questions to people, well, why do you feel this way? Okay, well, where did you get that information? Well, what is that based upon? And don't be a dick about it. Just be a general collegial person and have a conversation respectfully. And slowly as you ask questions, people come to the realization, well, shit, I don't know why I believe this. And then that's when you can say, well, what if I told you this? They say, oh, what about this? Oh, 
and then you slowly work the person and you get them to start listening. And that's how you open them up because if it's combative and confrontational, it's just going to dig them into their roots and it's going to turn into a pissing contest. You're, ab you're, absolute, you're absolutely right. Very, very well said. Um, I'm glad you could be here tonight. Stay with us. we got a lot to get into. I'm excited to hear your opinions. I'm going to go on my rants, and then I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to get to you, and I want to hear everything, because there's been a lot going on. I want to hear about Q as well. Um, thank you, though, Mike, for, for joining us. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Stay with us, man. Stay with us. Got a lot to talk about. All right. All righty. I want to welcome to the show. We have, I believe, with us talk show host and Dr. Matthew Lloyd Collins. What's up, buddy? Matthew Lloyd Collins, are you with us? Matthew Lloyd Collins, are you there? Matthew Lloyd Collins. Roy, if you're, uh, if you can hear me, this is uh, Carlo. Hey, Carlo Cab, how are you, buddy? Welcome to the show, I Special think he, Detective. I think, Special Detective Carlo Cab. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. I'm just all whipped up listening to your previous uh, guests talking on here, and uh, it, it, you know this gets to be a bigger and bigger mess every day. I mean, you got James Mattis denouncing uh, Trump. I mean, this man should be stripped of his rank and thrown in the brick uh, for sedition. I, and no way this guy should be allowed to keep his rank or any position in the Trump administration. Uh, he should just be kicked to the curb. And, and these rioters, I, I mean, they're talking about going out into the country in Ohio and, and starting barns on fire, killing the cattle. But, you know, that's going to be a bad move because can you, you, know, imagine you get a big – Can you imagine if they come to the suburbs? I mean, we will welcome – get ready because it's going to be – one of the biggest bloodbaths, and it'll be over in about two seconds if they try to do anything. I mean, these people know better. They, they, they don't want uh, to face uh, the olden days, the wild, wild west kind of style. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And, and it's not you and me who are going to be doing the bleeding. These guys are going to come out in their tractors and run over every single one of these some bitches, and they're going to be armed. All their neighbors are going to be around. They're not going to burn down any barns. They're not going to burn down any houses. And they're sure as hell not going to kill any cows. I mean, these people are ready, and they're waiting for them. They have a, they have a small army out there of all their friends and neighbors. Yeah, very, absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, Carlo, uh, got a lot to get into tonight. I'm glad you could join us. Um, tell everybody where they can get your best-selling books. And where they can read your, uh, you're a great columnist. You have a, a lot of great stuff going on. Yeah, I, uh, I'm writing for the published reporter, and uh, they're having some issues with Facebook right now. But I know we can't get into right, that right now. But uh, you can check out my books and my website at Cavazuti Crime, C-A-V-A-Z-U-T-T-I Crime.com, and I'm on Twitter at Carlo Cav One. And you want to go on there, order my books. You can order them right from me. I'll sign them and ship them out to you. Signed, sealed, and delivered for 18 bucks every book. <laughs> I love it. I love it, buddy. I love it. Well, well, excited to hear your opinion tonight. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. 
I also want to welcome to the show, I believe we have doctor and, and talk show host, uh, Matthew Lloyd Collins. What's up, buddy? Yeah, it keeps cutting out. I don't know what's wrong with Matthew's connection. Um, he'll call back in, though. Uh, we'll go on opening rants, everybody. Um, we got, um, you know, definitely, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been, uh, in terms of, like, you know, a Thursday, I, I haven't seen a Thursday quite like this in a while. Um, I want to start with this, though. And this is going to disturb everybody. And, and I've, I have never been a fan of Bush. I have never liked him. You know, just a completely, you know, horrible, sloppy politician that never really represented true conservatism. Never did. You know, he was never about – he just – our, our party and, you know, the rhinos, I mean, they, they really – took us in the, into the, the worst possible situation. I mean, getting us into all these endless wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, these neocons, you know, um, and, you know, they look at how they dented and just kind of butchered, uh, you know, how we are viewed, uh, especially Bush Jr. This guy, and I'm going to get to why in a second I'm going after Bush Jr. in terms of criticism and, you know, why I'm pissed off. But if you, if you look at how it all went down in so many different ways, whether it was the economy, whether it was the war, uh, he knew, and I don't care what anybody says, and I can, you know, we can talk about this on a factual basis, that, that you know, 2006, 2007, you know, we, we saw some of the greatest numbers, not as, not as good as Trump years, but I mean, we all remember the economy was on fire, all these different loans were going out like candy, I, you know, but that's the whole it was so temporary and it was it was all part of of the uh, i believe that bush got so rich and so wealthy off all these dark donors off all these different foreign entities and made all these different deals to you know attack the u.s and i believe he was behind the 9-11 i believe he you know obviously made the short-term economy look like i said it looked good it, you know people were doing a lot of different things but then look at what happened with the bubble. And, you know, Obama only made it worse. But if you really look at Obama and Bush, I mean, you know, I'll give Bush the credit uh, in terms of a better president, but not by much. I mean, they're both globalists. They're, they're both in bed with the oil companies overseas, uh, with people like China, with people like Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, they are part of the New World Order. That, that, that's, and it, you can go back and look at Bush Sr. talking about, getting involved with the new world order back in the nineties, go look up the speech. And then Bill Clinton carried on the tradition and it was this whole thing. I mean, there's a whole family background. Why do you think so many politicians in the past have, uh, you know, family members keep getting elected? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cult in so many different ways. And, and it's such a swamp. I mean, think about all the years of it being built up and built up and, you know, in Cheney. And even though I know Cheney's a smart guy, uh, I, I've heard he's a nice guy. Uh, he's not the most straight uh, um, person on earth. He, he's, you know, in a lot of ways he was dishonest. In a lot of ways he did betray us. Uh, you know, George W. Bush, um, and I'm going to go back to this whole 9-11 thing. I, I, I don't think that was any accident. You know, I, I think the, the USA and these special interest groups and these dirty donors had so much impact and so much power over people like the Bush family or the Clintons or, I mean, whatever it may be. We see this all the time. 
Think about how the Obamas went in there worth, what, $500,000, and they came out worth like $70 million? I mean, come on, you're, all this money involved, there's nothing these people won't do. They'll destroy their own country if it means they're going to make all this enrich themselves. This is, this is one of the oldest tricks in the entire book. And this is why I hate politics. This is why I hate politicians. This is why I hate Washington, D.C. Because these people, they, they make all these promises. They love to hear themselves talk. They say over and over they're going to do all these different things, and nothing gets done. But anyways, not getting too off topic. Well, the reason Bush pisses me off is because now he's supporting Joe Biden. You heard that right. He is supporting Joe Biden. He refuses to support George W. I mean, he refuses to support Trump. Um, and that should totally uh, tell you right there the kind of character and uh, individual that he is. Because regardless, uh, you stay loyal to your party. Uh, we usually, you know, and Trump says this all the time, you know, Democrats, you know, the one thing they do is stay true to each other. We may not agree. We may not like what they do or what they say, whatever. But they do stay loyal and true to each other. They, they stay on party lines. and they. But Republicans, I mean, all the rhinos, Mitt Romney's, uh, the Lindsey Graham's, even though, I, and you know, we're going to get into Lindsey Graham here in, in a little bit. But, I mean, if, imagine, just, just picture that whole situation. Knowing what we know about Joe Biden, all the sexual harassment, all the corruption with China, all the different things that have gone on in the Obama administration, and you have a guy who claims to be a Republican going to endorse. George, how can Bush look himself straight face in the mirror? We all know why this is going on, because they're all in bed together. They all have ties. Biden and Bush are buds. They're buds, just like John McCain and Biden were buds. John McCain and Bush were so close. You know, and they all, you know, here's, what's, here's what's even crazier. They all have dirt on one another. They all, they all know secrets. They all, they all sabotage in certain ways, you know, they, if they have to, they'll go after each other. And we're seeing that in different scenarios, uh, whether it's, you know, hearing about the info from Q or the DOJ or somebody's going to have to speak in terms of, you know, this whole Spygate FISA shit. I mean, you know, people have secrets. There's a reason why Lindsey Graham wants to uh, prolong this whole uh, subpoena situation, because he wants to get into a room with his rhino buddies and talk about how they're going to go act in the theater and, uh, you know, try to, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's. Jesus, George W. Bush, though, a disgrace to the Republican Party. A disgrace. I'm going to end right there with that, saying that. What a disgrace. What a traitor. What an, you know, and think about all the lives lost. Think about all the lives lost in 9-11, in Afghan, in, you know, uh, it's just, it, it was one thing after the other. And think about the debt. Think about the debt. I mean, I know Obama raised the debt more than all presidents combined, but George W. Bush did not help the situation. You know, and then Trump from day one said he was anti-war. He was not for it. Not whatsoever. So, you know, and, and it's just the outsider. The outsider scares D.C. They can't handle it. They can't handle these people coming in there and, uh, you know, shaking up the establishment. Um, okay. Uh, here we go. General Mattis can't stand this guy you know he has the nerve this scumbag to come out with all due I'll, I'll respect his service you know and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to put down the military uh you know I'll give him credit in that area uh but he came out and called the president a Nazi uh he, he used that whole leftist terminology 
Uh, we all know, you know, he's bored. He's out of the limelight. As he has missed his 15 minutes of fame. He just, he just, you know, he wants to hear himself talk. He doesn't actually believe that. If he, he knowing what he knows, his expertise, there's, there's, he, Trump is, is by far, you know, a, a very good president. He just doesn't want to say it. You know, go back and look at the tapes of how often he was praising Trump back in the day. He's only bitter because he was fired. He was Trump got rid of him, and so did Obama. And Trump made a funny Twitter uh, tweet today. The two, the one thing Obama and I only had in common was that we both fired Mattis. I, I thought that was pretty humorous. I thought that was pretty funny. But no, I mean, I mean, come on, dude. You're going to go out there and you're going to go write a whole op-ed trashing the president that gave you an opportunity after you got fired the first time by Obama? Dude, I mean, you know, just what a jerk. Seriously. You know, and um, all the secrets. Mattis is part of the deep state. He's part of the swamp. He's, he's all involved with these people. You know, um, and so is John, uh, what's his name? Uh, somebody remind me. John, uh, who's the guy that worked alongside Mattis with Trump that was fired recently? And Trump mentioned him on Twitter earlier. I forget. Somebody will remind me here in a second. But, I mean, come on, guys. Come on, guys. This is just ridiculous. Enough with the rigmarole. We got enough problems in our country. We don't need more slander and BS. We don't need it. Um, you know, this is big, and this really speaks volume and carries weight and really, uh, you know, says what's going to really happen in 2020. President Trump, in terms of his, his congressional, uh, congressional endorsements, he's 64-0. and 0. Again, he's undefeated. He's 64-0. and 0. No, no president has ever had that with, with, with that kind of success to that level uh, when endorsing people. He set the record. This guy's setting every record. You've got to love it. You've got to love where our country's going. There's no room for moderates in the Democratic Party anymore. You, I've seen so many people leave the Democratic Party. So many. Over. I mean, I, you know, they may not agree with everything Trump says or does, but it's a hell of a lot better for them than communism. Think about it. Uh, President Trump, you know, versus this whole media mob, you know, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing online. They're talking about how he's hiding in a bunker, talking about how he's, you know, uh, you know, being shallow, being scared. Uh, he walked over to a church in front of protesters. That's some of the biggest balls we've ever seen. No president ever goes outside, you know, with all these massacres are going on. This guy uh, is not intimidated by anything. And he puts his foot on the line every day for our freedom, safety, and security. He really does. And he does it, uh, you know, everything he's done for this country, leaving his billionaire lifestyle, leaving, you know, he had the best life. But he saw that he was the last hope. And, uh, you know, think about this. 80%, 80% of his promises delivered within three years no most presidents after eight years don't even deliver on 10 percent it's true very true you know it's 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 one of those things um and can you believe obama is defending uh these violent protests you know and the the media condones that but then they'll, they'll insult trump for going into a church and holding up a bible this is the kind of society we're dealing with and it totally sends the wrong message to, the, to our future, to our children, 
No wonder why the education system is so fucked up. I mean, these people, I, it's, it's, it's beyond radicalized. It's, it's, it's out of this world. You know, the, what, what they teach, socialism, I mean, this new era uh, of the way people think and how they, you know, des- should deserve a trophy and get all this free stuff. That's not a, what America's about. It's not what we stand for. It's not what we're built upon. Jesus. I mean, stuff is just going way too far. I mean, you've got Toy Maker now, Lego. You've got the Lego Toy Maker asking retailers to pull promos for police, firefighters, and White House figures. Anybody involved in those three categories, they don't want involved with Legos anymore. Have you ever seen something so extreme? They're involving politics with kids' toys. This is the kind of indoctrination we are dealing with. Children should not be having to, you know, uh, question. I mean, they should be loving law enforcement. They should be loving the White House. They should be loving firefighters. Why are you taking that away? Culture is toxic. It's cancer culture. It really is. And and, and I'm going to go through these pretty quick, but uh, the George Floyd funeral, that's another headline bothering me. You know, God bless him. Very sad situation. But what about all the other loved ones that lost their family to corona that can't, aren't allowed to attend the funerals? They're stuck inside and had all these governors and politicians telling them how to live their lives. And, I mean, think about how sick that is. They're supposed to be working for us, and they have the nerve and the audacity, and we all know why they're giving George Floyd, <coughs> George Floyd the funeral. It's all po- political. Joe Biden's attending. Joe Biden's fundraising off of it. Joe Biden is so pathetic that he used um, George Floyd's last words as a way of gaining money from supporters. And we've seen Joe Biden's record with the black community. It's terrible. It's awful. He's, he was responsible for the 94 crime bill. Uh, he was responsible for gun-free zones. Uh, he was responsible for putting more I – mean, it goes on and on. This has had all these sexual harassment – um, situations, even with Secret Service, has admitted that he's been rowdy around them. Jesus Christ, and you know it's it's nuts. And, and here here's what I do. Here I want to I want to keep you know rolling through these. We got, we are we are on a time thing, um, and I'm going to get to everybody on the panel. Uh, I can't wait though. You know what I'm seeing in these streets is a lot of Black Lives Matter protesters, but then we see a lot of Antifa too. But pretty soon, Black Lives Matter is going to turn on Antifa. And can you imagine when that happens? That's going to be the best movie ever made. That's going to be the best sequel. I mean, when Black Lives Matter, really, and a lot of them are already waking up and, you know, destroying some of these white Antifa members because they realize what Antifa is trying to do, which is paint them in a bad light. But, you know, there's quite a few of these Black Lives Matter people that are very hateful. But there are some out there that I think are misguided. And, you know, but think about when they turn on each other. And this was talked about all over the radio on various stations today. Eventually it's going to happen. It, it could be, you know, think about like, you know, all these different situations that have broken out in history. It, it, it's going to be funny. It's really going to be funny when this happens. Cause it's, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to encourage it. I shouldn't say funny, but this, this will be a movie like never seen before. And all these, I mean, can you believe it? And they're setting curfews. I mean, Let's face it. Criminals don't follow laws. Why the hell are you putting curfews in place? That just encourages them to go out and break more laws. I mean, and you have Americans that 
are buying guns for the first time like never seen before. You have six million guns that were sold in the last six months. Six million in the last six months. That's a lot of guns. That's a lot of self-defense. That's a lot of, you know, and, and, and I'm seeing all these different situations. Like here in Arizona uh, at these protests, and you got to love this, uh, DACA illegal aliens were among the 200 people arrested in the riots. I mean, you'd think these people, if they wanted to stay in the country and actually love our country and embrace our values, they'd stay out of, you know, the shitter. But they just keep causing chaos, and they dig themselves their own hole in their own grave, and then, you know, they get caught up. I mean, get these people out of here. They they come over here illegally. It's a big slap in the face to the people that do it the right way. I'm so glad this stuff happens. I mean, these people think they're above the law. You know, um, it was just announced today, uh, jerk off Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, is getting $3 million to Colin Kaepernick's social justice group. What? Oh, my God. And where's that money going? Follow the money. Because if you look at some of these groups, if you look at some of these organizations, the money's not going where they say. There's different loopholes. There's different monopolies. There's different – I mean, it goes on and on. Guys, don't buy into this. It's a, literally – and what Kaepernick does with the funds, it doesn't go to – oh, my God. I mean, this is some of the biggest scams of all time. Just like Sean King with Black Lives Matter. You think he's actually giving all that money he's getting to Black Lives Matter? Absolutely not. He was even investigated for a bunch of tax fraud and a bunch of different fraud. I mean, these people are so fake. They don't care. They live in their mansions. They don't do anything for their communities. They're ungrateful. They're entitled. And I, I just, and Twitter is sending all the wrong messages. I mean, they're, they're, they're violating um, so many different codes. And, you know, Trump keeps talking about Section 230. Uh, we really need to hold them accountable. You know, they can't fact check the president. Can't be doing that shit. You can't be, you know, doing all, doing all these things, banning conservatives, letting liberals threaten people's lives and banning conservatives for having uh, just a, a small opinion. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the bias is there. It's always been there. There's no doubt about it. Um, so here's something. And, and, and I, wonder when, I wonder when this is going to happen. When are, so when's Nirvana going to be uh, boycotted? Because, uh, you know, this is how liberals operate. You just had one of the main, um, the second lead to Kirk Cobain come out and praise Trump how he's handling things. And we all know Nirvana is one of the most popular iconic bands ever in existence. So what's going to be the excuse now? Uh, we all know that boycotts come whenever, whenever anyone speaks out of, in their support of Trump. It always happens. So we're just waiting. And by the way, the gentleman's name is Chris Novoselic, I believe is how you pronounce it. But, um, I mean, people are sick of it. People are sick of it. And think about how sick this is. And this should piss anybody off. You've got kids. You've got your family. You've got all these people, you know, um, that, that are in danger because they're releasing nearly all the rioters that were involved with all these felony situations. And all these NYC arsonists, all these different people that are burning, they're being released. They're being bailed out by celebrities, by dirty donor funds. I mean, how is this? This is not America. What are we doing? It's all political. It's all partisan crap. I mean, and it's just going to, you guys, 
we the way that things are in the streets right now, it looks like something out of Al Qaeda. It looks like something out of Al Qaeda. This is this is ridiculous. Um, I want I want to you know say I mean we're not we're not animals we're not freaking Middle East you know jerk offs that don't know how to act. I mean we know we, we, I mean but what we've been indoctrinated with what politicians have fed people what they've I, oh my god. Um, I want to mention this, and this is big, and he's getting criticism for this, of course. Trump is banning all Chinese travel. And, and that's – think about what that does to China. You know, China, uh, th- there's a lot uh, in the making for punishing those people. And uh, Trump has a plan. He, you know, he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. He's ahead of the game. He, he's uh, very on top of things. And, um, you know, China – uh, you know, they, they're very bitter. They're very angry. They've never had a leader who has uh, really uh, stuck it to them. And by cutting off travel, think about what that does to their economy. He already sunk their economy a few months ago. Um, think about all the tourists that come here. Think about all, you know, all these Chinese uh, – it's bad. All the Chinese airlines are screwed right now because America is the most popular place to visit. This is great, though. You've got to love this. That's balls. That takes balls right there. That takes balls. Think about all the politicians in D.C. that have all these foreign special interest involvement with China and how they're, like, crying right now. I, I, it, it, this is awesome. This is so freaking awesome. Um, here, here's what's bothering me. Um, we're ta- I mean, look at the streets right now. Look at what's happening. And we have Democrats talking about defunding the police. Not only talking, they've actually acted on it. For example, the L.A. mayor, and L.A. is, you know, I used to love going to L.A. 10 years ago. Right now it looks like a third-world country. It's one of the biggest shitholes I've ever seen. You either have the very rich or the very poor. There's no middle class. There's no middle ground. And ultimately that's what the Democrats want. The Democrats want to push away the middle class. They don't want, you know, uh, the, the, the real American way. They want to either control people, you know, from the bottom, or they want, you know, those donations from the top where they can, uh, you know, feed their own bank accounts. Very simple. This is sick. Mayor Garcetti cut $150 million from police, and he's reinvesting it supposedly into communities of color. Well, why don't you be more specific, jerk off? I want to know where. Where? Is it going to go to community centers? Is it going to go to all the businesses that were destroyed? Or is it going to go to all these NWACP hate Black Lives Matter groups that do nothing but cause division and chaos. I want to know. Jesus Christ. Hold these people accountable. Oh, and by the way, if this is not a wake-up call, then I don't know what is. Um, I mean, you you saw a, a black female just get elected in Baltimore. I don't know exactly a Republican, a Republican for Elijah Wood's seat. I mean, and she, it's looking good for her. I, I think she won her primary, I think it was. Somebody remind me. But uh, against her opponent, she could really win. And that, that's how black, much black America is really waking up. I mean, they're seeing how the Democrats have been using them for all this time. And, and you know what's really bothering me? And this is, you know, this is, you know, this is sad. And this is why I say our, our educational system is so messed up. Because we have college professors now telling their students people have no choice but to riot. That's the only way our government will ever learn. 
Why are these professors even hired? And then you got all these soy boy moron liberals that come out of college or those smelly feminists that think they know everything, but in reality, they have a worthless degree. They work a, you know, a cubicle job, corporate America, hate their life. Uh, to be honest with you, there's more CEOs and wealthy entrepreneurs that didn't waste their money on a worthless degree and are now filled and indoctrinated with nothing but nonsense. So, you know, and especially, you know, unless you want to become a doctor, unless you want to become a lawyer, unless you want to become, you know, something that requires a college degree, I mean, I with how it, the the whole system is ran with foreign donations, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't see – any, any entrepreneur right now can go out and make millions of dollars. There are so many different outlets and ways with how evolved technology has become with the stock market, with real estate. I build apps. I own a mobile app company. Apps are the future. Apps are what everyone will have in the next couple of years. Majority of businesses already have apps. I do my radio show. been doing this almost three years. Do very well at it. I've invested in a lot of real estate. Done very well invested in a lot of stocks, done very well, never went to college. I did one year and I dropped out. I mean, people, and then I'm not, I'm not whack. I'm not trying to, you know, criticize anybody that went to college. I think it's great. Just don't get lost in what these people are trying to plant into your head because it's, it's, you look at these professors. I mean, they look like they haven't got out of bed in two years or they haven't showered. And, you know, they say socialism is so good. But then why don't they work for free? If it's so great, share the wealth. Come on, buddy. Start with you. Good Lord. What the hell are we dealing with? Let's start with uh, uh, Corey Jones. Go ahead. Yeah, Rory. Um, I think I'll just start off by um, – Was that clear you know, enough? Really was the mic clear enough? Was that clear enough tonight? Yeah, yeah. No, I could hear you perfectly. I could hear you perfectly. Yeah, the entire time was good. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just start off by, um, you know, saying that I, as a conservative, and I mentioned this last week, um, I, as a conservative, uh, am friends with mostly conservatives on Facebook, follow mostly conservatives on Instagram and Twitter. I'm, I'm mostly followed by conservatives as well. And, um, you know, I haven't seen a single conservative or a single uh, pro-police advocate actually try to make the case that uh, uh, the officer that killed George Floyd was justified in his use of deadly force. Um, there's really uh, no disagreement amongst anybody as to whether or not the officer should have been indicted, whether or not they should have been charged. And that's important to note. And the reason why that's important to note is because if, if we truly did live in a society where um, you know, black Americans were treated as subhuman and looked at as less than human by the vast majority of individuals in this country, then you would think that you would see millions upon millions and millions of people trying to justify or even praise the officer who killed George Floyd. But that hasn't been the case. And the reason why is because everybody that – any reasonable person that has seen that video knows that the officer that killed George Floyd um, was unjustified in his use of deadly force and that he should be prosecuted. And guess what? Within three days, excuse me, yeah, well, within three days, he was arrested, and the, the other three officers were arrested as well about three days ago was, or two days ago. And within 24 to 48 hours after the initial uh, event took place, uh, all four of the officers were actually fired. And so the individuals on the street that are protesting, they're already in the process of getting justice. 
not only was the officer charged, he was originally charged with, I believe, a manslaughter and murder three, and the charges were updated. Uh, or upgraded rather to murder two. And as your, um, you know, one of your other guests came on and stated, um, who's the attorney? He he mentioned the fact that it's going to be much more difficult for the prosecutors to actually prove that. And um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I, I do plan on going to law school. I'm still a college student right now. But even I know that it's much more difficult for these prosecutors to meet the burden of proof in a murder two case than it is a murder one, because they do have to prove intent to kill beyond a reasonable doubt. And so I'm, I'm a little bit worried that actually since the prosecutors are overcharging the officer, that there's a chance that the officer could get off, that the jury um, – you know, there could be a, a split decision or even an acquittal. Um, and that's important to note, firstly, that if we truly did live in a white supremacist or an institutionally racist society, you would see millions and millions of people praising the officer that killed George Floyd. But there is hardly anybody that has done that. In fact – Every major institution from Nickelodeon to Apple um, you know, to uh, Lego, as you just stated, every major institution in this country has supported Black Lives Matter, has supported the cause of ending police brutality against black Americans. And the reason why that's important to note is because, once again, if this was an institutionally racist society, there would not be a single one of these institutions supporting um, you know, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but, but really, the, the bigger point that I want to make tonight is that, yes, we do have a problem with police brutality, but it's not necessarily that we have a problem with racist police. We have a problem with uh, stupid police officers in many cases. I don't believe that the officer that killed George Floyd necessarily was a racist because I haven't seen any evidence to support that claim. All I know is that he murdered a man. And the only thing that people are looking at or care to look at is the skin color. They see a white officer and a black victim. And they automatically attribute racism to the to the actions of the officer. And once again, it's important to um, actually know whether or not the officer was racist or not. Because if you just say that he was racist without actual racism being being displayed in the actual event, then you have what you're you know you have all this outrage that's occurring from a really an incident that may not be racially related. Um, but but really, at the core of the protest and at the core of the Black Lives Matter movement. It's this notion that black Americans are being hunted down in the streets by racist white police officers every single day without any type of justice being served in the officers that are committing these acts. That couldn't be any more of a lie. In fact, the Wall Street Journal uh, yearly actually release – they release uh, statistics, and they, um, they format these statistics from the FBI, from the Department of Justice. Even the Center for Disease Control also releases some of these statistics as well. But they compiled a study even last year that was talking about um, the amount of black Americans, unarmed black Americans killed by police officers, along with other ethnic groups as well. And what they found was that there were nine black Americans killed by police in 2019. Compare that to 19 white Americans that were killed with, killed by um, uh, police officers in 2019. Keep in mind these are unarmed individuals. So in 2019, there were nine unarmed black Americans killed by police officers. But whenever you take Every single incident on a case-by-case basis, uh, five of those officers were actually involved in instances where they were being attacked, even though that the African-American man or woman in one of the cases was unarmed. They were actually attacking the officers. In two of the other cases, the officers were actually charged. And so um, you know, this notion that blacks are being shot down in the street is just completely ridiculous, um, and it's, it's not supported by any type of cross-reference statistical analysis because whenever you take into account 
the fact that um, you know blacks are committing violent crime at a significantly higher rate than whites do, it, it answers for the disparities in between, you know, be, between the rates at which uh, unarmed blacks are being shot compared to to the unarmed white counterpart. And um, you know what's also interesting is that in these riots, there have been at least around six confirmed black Americans killed in these riots for the past week. Now, there have been – and keep that in mind that, that I mentioned earlier, there were nine unarmed black Americans killed by police in 2019. So at the end of these riots, whenever these are going to end, hopefully in the next couple of days, we could see as many black Americans killed in these riots as there were uh, unarmed black men killed by police officers in 2019. So many of these protesters and rioters – that are claiming to oppose the uh, innocent loss of black life are actually causing many of the problems that they seek to uh, desire to end, and that's the loss of black life. As I stated earlier, the, um, the retired police chief, David Dorn, who was killed lying in his own blood as rioters and, and, and protesters were videotaping his demise. You know, he was laying there for 20 minutes. I don't think you know, anybody actually called the police until 20, 30 minutes after he was shot. Nobody tried to perform C- CPR or stop the bleeding as this man um, you know, was, was just bleeding out on the street. They just let him die. And this was an individual, and this was a black American that was trying to protect his community in spite of uh, you know, all of these rioters and protesters that were just you know, destroying the city of St. Louis, which is where he was from, where he was killed. And, um, you know, it's just just tragic to, to watch that video. And there has been hardly any outrage at his death. There's, you know, there won't be a protest about his life. There won't be a riot about his life. The mainstream media has covered it to a certain extent, and the only reason why that's happened is because President Trump and many other well-meaning conservatives have actually shared his picture and his story on social media. And, you know, what's really racist about all this is that all of these governors and mayors and politicians that are refusing to call out these riots are doing so because I think many of them think that black Americans like rioting, that they feel like this is all justified. And let me tell you, law-abiding black Americans in this country, they don't like seeing their communities burn to the ground. They don't like seeing their cities um, and, and their stores and businesses pillaged. They don't like doing that. They don't like seeing that. I mean, there have been several videos of black business owners crying at the sight of their business being torn down and burnt to the ground by these vicious rioters. And so it's a just it's a racist narrative. And it's 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 just um, it's it's sad to see all these officers, not officers, but politicians, mayors and governors who are failing to act out of what I believe is this false narrative that black Americans, law abiding black Americans actually justify. And um, like seeing these types of riots because it's not the case at the end of the day. And so, you know, ultimately, it's just, um, you know, it's it's truly disgusting that all these acts are being committed in the name of George Floyd. It is because, you know, what's what's interesting is that the last wish that George Floyd had was for a violent act committed against him to come to an end. And so I highly doubt that he would be okay with all these violent acts being committed in his name because it's doing nothing to honor him at the end of the day. And, and you know, he, was, but he was calling for a stop to all the the crazy. He you was. Know, every, yeah, he was calling because he just wanted peace and love, and seemed like a very nice guy. You know, he did. And people can mention his criminal history all that they want to, but at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with whether or not the officers in that moment were justified with the use of deadly force. You can commit a criminal act ten years prior. 
it has no bearing on whether or not in that moment the officers were justified. And um, thankfully, right. there really aren't that many individuals making that case. But um, you know, yeah. what, what's truly interesting is that there are so many, um, you know, there are so, so many horrible things that are um, bringing the black community down in this country. And I'm not going to be told that I can't talk about the issues in, 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 in black America because I'm white. I think I have a, um, every single right to talk about um, you know, issues that are bringing down my fellow Americans because I actually want to bring forth a solution to this problem because I care about these people. You know why? Because I'm not racist because <laughs> I – believe it or not, I'm a conservative who actually loves – um, my fellow uh, black Americans. And so there are many, uh, there are many things that's actually hurting the black community right now. That's holding them down. That has nothing to do with systemic racism or, or police brutality. Um, I think one of the main problems and why you see a lot of these individuals and why you see, um, you know, the black crime rate at, at the level at which it is, is because there's an issue of uh, the uh, of fatherlessness in many of these black homes. And it's sad to see because, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the cause is for the uh, illegitimacy rate in black communities. Why it's 70? You know, it's 75 percent. That's the illegitimacy rate in black in in, uh, in black homes right now. Compare that to something around 30 percent for uh, uh, white Americans. And you know, every right. single study that's ever been conducted on on children without fathers in their homes will come down to a single conclusion that they are less likely to graduate from high school. They're less likely to go to college. They're less likely to work a, a high-paying salary job. They're more likely to be involved in crime. They're more likely to engage in, 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 in drug activity as well. And, um, and that's a lot of the reason for why these things are happening and why there's um, – why so many black Americans are committing crime at this rate. And it's it's sad to see that we're just completely ignoring that fact, and we're blaming every possible bad thing that can happen to the black community on white supremacy, on institutional racism, on police brutality, when that's simply not the case. As I stated earlier, there were nine unarmed black men that were killed by police in 2019, and seven of those cases were justified according to the prosecutors and, and uh, the investigators in those cases. And actually, another interesting statistic, which you'll find this just crazy, was that last year in 2019, there were around 147 uh, uh, black uh, men and women that actually died from falling down a staircase. And there were about, uh, I think, 20 or 30 black Americans that died from uh, constipation, 50 black Americans that died or Close to, I'm sorry, close to 500 Black Americans that died um, from swimming accidents, from drowning, and all of these instances, all of these, um, you know, incidences of, of Black death actually um, are, are taking more innocent Black lives than police that are shooting unarmed Black men. And so that's important to note because really, um, it's it's not yeah. as big of a problem as Black Lives Matter is, is, is stating that it is. And I, I agree with the right to protest. I think that many of the Black Lives Matter activists um, and every American that cares about the loss of life should be outraged at what they saw in that video clip of George Floyd losing his life. But it does not mean, it does not justify, um, you know, you pushing this false narrative and, and, and acting in this sort of manner. And what's sad is that I've hardly seen any of matter activists speak out against these rioters who are burning black-owned businesses to the ground that are killing innocent black men and women in the streets right now. 
Um, yep. You know, it's just it's uh, it's completely awful to see. And once again, I agree with your right to protest, but I'm starting to get a little bit fed up with these protests. And the reason for that yeah. is because it seems like you know it, peaceful protests don't generally come with riots. Um, it's just it, it must be a, a, maybe I'm just skeptical, but uh, unless it's just a random coincidence that these rioters follow the the peaceful protests everywhere in every city that they go. Um, you know, yeah. it was in Ferguson. We had Ferguson a few years ago. We had Baltimore. Let's not forget the uh, six cops that were shot in Dallas in 2016 as well. It's like every single time that these quote-unquote peaceful protests get together for this type of cause, there ends up being just horrific violence and death and just utter chaos and lawlessness. And so, yeah, I obviously support the right to protest, and I would never try to restrict an individual's rights. We have to start talking about um, you know, yeah. how we're going to handle these protests in the future because they always seem to lead to violence. And people can no, say I, all they want to about the Second Amendment supporters in Virginia, but they didn't kill anybody. They didn't shoot anybody. They picked up trash no. after their uh, uh, protests were done. We can talk about the uh, protests in Michigan where, where um, individuals, mostly conservatives, were protesting the stay-at-home order. Well, nobody died in, in those protests. No building was burnt down. No city was set on fire. And what's crazy is that there were actually – there are actually several pictures online of doctors and of, of nurses standing in the middle of the street trying to block these protesters from going to the state capitol. And yet I've seen videos this week of – of doctors and of nurses actually clapping as they uh, as these uh, Black Lives Matter protesters move through the streets. So it seems like right. you know you're only scared about the spread of COVID whenever it's conservatives that are protesting, but whenever exactly. leftists get together for over a week with millions of people in the streets, they're like, oh yeah, you can do that. That's perfectly fine. COVID's not a thing anymore. <laughs> Corey, Corey. You're absolutely right. It's the biggest double standard on the face of the earth. Um, I, I can't, I can't believe what's going on. I, you know, I want, I, I could talk to you all day, and I, and I want you, if you can, stay, stick with us. Um, I, I want to introduce. Um, by the way, Corey, tell everybody where they can connect with you. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Corey, and uh, find me on Instagram at Real Corey Jones. And uh, the last thing I'll say for tonight really is I am thankful, however, and, and this was before I talked to you, um, you know, last week was, uh, you know, Trump actually designated Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. And that's a, you know, that's a great step that we're taking in recognizing the violent, yep. truly fascists on the left. So, Oh, of course, of course, of course. I, I want to introduce now former Massachusetts uh, Trump campaign manager and founder of Open America Super PAC. He wants to open America. He wants to work, work with the people, get us back open, the places that are shut down, doing a lot of big stuff. Dean Cavarada, really good friend of mine. How are you, buddy? Welcome back. Rory, thanks for having me back. How are you tonight? I'm doing good, man. you got a lot of big stuff going on. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and your resume, you know, we've already talked about that in the past. I mean, being Trump's campaign manager in Massachusetts, you know, having this super PAC, being in politics, uh, and uh, I'm sure you're uh, quite amazed and uh, appalled by uh, everything that's uh, occurring in the streets. Rory, I am, I, am, I am amazed, I am appalled, but in a weird way I'm not surprised because we saw some of this uh, start on 2016 and as a uh, President Trump got momentum 
and became the nominee, you saw uh, elements of the left and the Democratic parties throw the kitchen sink at him, and they're doing it again. It's even worse now uh, after three years of uh, false uh, investigations and the Russia hoax and everything else. Uh, they are doing whatever they can to gain power. And, and, you know, us conservatives and supporters of the president not only have to keep us, uh, each other rallied, but we have to reach out to those independent voters, Rory, in, in your state of Arizona and Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and all points in between to not allow the liberals and the socialists and the Antifa elements to gain the high ground on this narrative and twist things around, which they always do. The New York Times, uh, after they allow Tom, Senator Tom Cotton to publish an op-ed about the riots and, and, and the senator's point of view about sending in the troops to help supplement local law enforcement, the next day the New York Times, after pressure from their staff and readership, disavows the, own, the same op-ed that they allowed Senator Cotton to publish. Uh, so whatever the issue is, whether it's, whether it's COVID-19, which suddenly Rory apparently left the scene, uh, it is no longer important when protests are, uh, are, you know, take center stage. And whether it's, uh, you know, the riots and, and the, the brutal killing of uh, George Floyd, they always seem to blame the president. And this is a man who hasn't even spent four calendar years in Washington, D.C. Biden's been there 40. Hillary Clinton's been there 40 years. Uh, Barack Obama had eight years. But somehow Donald Trump is the source of all things wrong with Washington. It's outrageous. And people in Arizona and New Hampshire and Massachusetts, conservatives and unenrolled voters, have to agree that we have to get our, our country back. We have to get our economy going. And that was the genesis for OpenAmericaPack.com, which I started to just call out this hypocrisy, allow small businesses to open, because the best way to keep our healthy, our, our country healthy is to open up. And, yes, uh, people will say that all 50 states are in the process of doing it. But, Rory, I don't have to tell you that in state after state, example after example, the bureaucratic uh, – hoops that people have to jump through, the capacity restrictions. We all want to slow the spread and flatten the curve, but we've done that. And business owners and people that work for a living are taking it on the chin. And that's why we started OpenAmericaPack.com. I and, love you know, it. I love uh, Tell us how, uh, and, how and we're, a federal, we're a federal super PAC, so we can uh, get involved in uh, political advocacy and, and supporting a candidate or issue across the 50 states, and, um, you know, we're reaching out uh, to our donor relationships and also building, trying to build a grassroots following as well, just to call out the, the, the hypocrisy that's out there. Uh, the mayor of Boston, Rory, liberal mayor of Boston, uh, canceled what, the historic what, what, Boston what, Marathon in September. The uh, mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, canceled the 126, don't quote me on the 126, but canceled the historic Boston Marathon for September due to COVID-19 concerns. But he's allowing protests of thousands and thousands of people in the same city of Boston. Now, we lose the Boston and Massachusetts and New England loses over $220 million in revenue from that one-day event. And I don't know about you, but how can any of us predict 
what's going on with COVID-19 in September, let alone tomorrow. But the mayor thought it was worth canceling and canceling businesses that are still shut in Massachusetts and not opening yet, depending on what phase the governor puts the business in. Yet protests are being allowed to uh, be carried on in the city, albeit peaceful in most cases. But there's a double standard here. If we're supposed to socially distance and we're supposed to wear masks right. and we're supposed to be, be wary of the, of the right. virus, right. People can why isn't ridiculous. that being applied to all people across the state? Yeah, and Dean, isn't it? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. So isn't it mind-blowing and crazy, like you just said, how people can go out there and break curfew, they can riot, they can destroy the streets, but they can't even go into a restaurant or they can't even open their business? I mean, what kind of backward society is this? It's, it's very frustrating. It's very angry. And we have to reach voters in the middle that are somehow – Rory, I can't tell you how many people that I talk to about this. Could that uh, when you start making your when – you, when, when, when you make your arguments, they'll, they'll agree with you, but they have, you have to wake them up. You know what I mean? Could Massachusetts turn blue? I mean, turn red. Could it turn red? I mean, turn red in November for Trump. I would say that it's, it's, it's uphill because of the, of the media's dominance over the narrative. But so many people are getting angry, Rory, about the double standards, the hypocrisy, the uh, government picking winners and losers. Home Depot and Lowe's, Rory, in Massachusetts are open and booming. TJ Maxx and other retailers can't open. Some restaurants that can go to the parking lots or have curbside dining are doing okay. Other restaurants are losing their shirts. What are we doing? Why have our elected politicians become glorified city planners and have gotten into the weeds on reopening? It's time to reopen and use common sense. And the last time I checked, it's not governors or mayors that care about customers. Business owners care about customers too. And the idea that these mayors and governors are going to try to run private industry is insulting on its face. And that's what's happening. If you're lucky enough to be in the right category, you can open. If you're not lucky, like salons and barbers, you have to go to the back of the line. It's outrageous. They have become uh, all-powerful, and they can't even do the basic functions of government, like, you know, fully fund and implement a police force that's uh, policing uh, in, in light of everything that's going on, paving the streets, balancing budgets taking care of Medicaid and Medicare, right? What they do is they presume to become city planners, and they're going to tell all these businesses when, how to open up and implement social distancing. And business owners are outraged, Rory, and it's time that we fight back, which is why OpenAmericaPAC.com came into existence, and we're here to get into the political debate and call out the hypocrisy and try to reach these unenrolled voters that Donald Trump needs to build in a coalition in the Electoral College. And that's true for Arizona. That's true for New Hampshire and all of the states in between. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is we're already seeing the Democrats starting to high-five each other, thinking that Trump's on the ropes and that they're winning in the polls and that McSally's behind in Arizona and New Hampshire could stay blue, which is a swing state that Trump could win. And we have got to reach, us conservatives have got to start talking to unenrolled people. We've got to talk to business owners and say, you've got to get involved. 
because the America you love is at stake on the ballot. And this is the biggest election of our lifetime, because if the Democrats win, Rory, if the Democrats win, America and the private sector will never be the same. I agree. I agree. I mean, we won't have a country left. And, you know, these people just don't want big government. They want to fundamentally change the country. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's no debating that they they want to literally take us into the third world. They want to go by the rules of radicals playbook. Salolinsky, you know what I mean? I mean Rory, people... Rory, Rory, you got you got to hand it to him. Let's take a step back, Rory. In, in a in a week when when uh, it's it's Cuomo and De Blasio and the slow response in New York over saving businesses from getting looted. Somehow, somehow that's Trump's fault. And, and Trump decides and says, if you don't do your job, I will, which is still his position, right? And somehow right. by the president taking the lead, there are elements in the media, there's elements in academia, there's certainly Antifa and those elements criticizing him, saying he's the one that's going to create the police state in Washington, D.C., when it's the inept actions of feckless governors like Cuomo and weak mayors like de Blasio that aren't doing their job. Can you imagine if you're a business owner in New York City in midtown Manhattan? You're shut down for three months. You're just starting to get ready to open and, and work for a living rather than 43 million people on unemployment. You're starting to get ready to open, and then looters come along and firebomb your business. It's outrageous. And then when the president says, do your job or I will send in the military, it's somehow he's the fascist, according to the New York Times. Or Senator Cotton's the fascist for suggesting that the president can implement the rule of law. It's outrageous, but this is what they do. And they're going to try to reach all those voters that are naive enough to think that they somehow have the moral high ground. When if the governors did their job, we'd be back to recovering right now and people would be safe and have the ability to open a business. And it's outrageous, and, it, and I'm as mad as you, Rory, but this is what they're going to do because it's defeat Trump at all costs. It's very true. It's very true. And tell us, uh, in terms of the Super PAC, uh, how, how everything going well there? Are you guys raising a lot of money? Are you getting a lot of contributions? Are you? Um, what's the process like? Well, we're, we're, we're certainly we're reaching out to our donors uh, through existing relationships in New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Uh, the great thing is we can go into any state and look at any congressional district. Uh, that's one, one piece of it. The other piece is obviously trying to build a following on social media uh, and, and building a ground team to really, you know, branch out and communicate. And thank you for having me on since I get, you know, your platform and your audience to talk about this. We're at openamericapack.com. Uh, Facebook.com uh, slash Open America Pack on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Open America underscore Pack. Uh, so we're building the following there. We're certainly going to uh, reach out to people that are, are going to help us uh, uh, advertise digitally, which certainly is a very effective way, as you know, uh, to get our word out. But Rory, think of this. Think of this. Uh, the, the the second, uh, the highest elected Democrat in Massachusetts. Uh, a big liberal who I, who I believe is the leading candidate for governor next time around in Massachusetts said, and I quote, yes, America is burning. I'm, I'm doing a direct quote here from Attorney General Maura Healy. 
who gained national attention this week because of being so uh, out of bounds. Quote, yes, America is burning, but that's how forests grow, end quote. So here's the elected attorney general of Massachusetts almost suggesting that if the protest uh, riot and loot or condone that, that somehow is going to bring positive change to the race issue in America. And this is the highest law enforcement official in Massachusetts suggesting this. This is the mindset. Instead of, instead of saying Massachusetts is a safe place to work and raise a family, the attorney general is somehow trying to curry favor with the protest. And listen, uh, peaceful protest is not the issue. That's what the liberals want you to somehow think that we're against. That's not the issue. The issue is thugs like Fantifa that are going around inciting violence are doing it in the same areas that the governors and mayors, usually Democratic liberals, aren't enforcing the law and handing it to the taxpayer again. That's the real issue. And then they all blame it on Trump. But that's the web they're weaving, Rory, and we got to fight right. back and we got to reach those voters in the middle. Absolutely. And I know you were Trump's campaign manager uh, in Massachusetts in 2016. Are you going to be working with him in 2020 as well? I'll do everything I can. The, real, the biggest focus here, Rory, in New England is um, uh, the, the congressional district in Maine. And we have three uh, Republican candidates uh, running for Congress there to uh, defeat the first-term uh, Democratic congressman. That's in southern Maine. Uh, there's two congressional districts in New Hampshire that are in play. Both those districts are highly competitive, and a lot of uh, supporters and volunteers in, in Massachusetts will certainly help in New Hampshire. And then uh, helping the president uh, flip New Hampshire in the Electoral College is vitally important. And I'm not writing off Massachusetts, and we have a lot of good local candidates. But after what's happened with COVID-19, Rory, all elections are, are been turned upside down. There hasn't been any campaigning outside. It's very difficult. Everything's gone virtual. And that really favors the incumbents. But, you know, the president has such a massive fundraising advantage right now and such a presence. Uh, and that's why this pack might be the best way to help in certain yeah. areas on certain issues, uh, since we're not constrained by some of the candidate requirements, uh, which was one of the I reasons and rationale for opening it. I love it. I love it. Dean, uh, you're one of my favorite guests. I could talk to you all day. Uh, thank you for being with us. Stay on if, you, if you'd like. I've got a lot, of, got a lot more to get to in the show. Uh, but really keep up what you're doing, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rory. And you, you yourself, keep plugging and keep spreading the world. And, again, to your listeners, uh, we've got to reach the unconverted, and we've got to talk to people that are just walking around like sheep. Uh, that aren't into politics, Rory, that, that are just seeing, you know, they're seeing one retail store open and another close, and they'll say, wait a minute, that's not the way to open up. If Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart across the country can be open, let's open the country itself. Very true. Very true. Very true. Very well said. Thank you so much, Dean. Rory, we'll talk soon. Take care. All righty. God bless. I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have doctor and talk show host, uh, Dr. Nassar. Dr. Nassar, are you there? Dr. Nassar. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's with us. I don't know if he's with us. Hold on. We got maybe having some connection issues. Let's see something. Hold on a second. 
Uh, let's see if we have podcast host and activist um, Bradley Stein. Are you with us? I am, yes. How are you, Bradley? Welcome to the show, buddy. What's new? I'm doing good, Roy. How are you? Uh, doing good. What's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. I, mean, I know you got a lot it going is. on, too. And- yeah, uh, it's really hard to dissect all the issues right now. I think Dean hit on a lot of key issues before. You know, for all the liberals in the mainstream media right now that are writing off the next election, they couldn't be more wrong. If you look at the track record of the president right now, especially how he's doing in state primaries as well as how his endorsed candidates are doing, he couldn't be doing better. Right now he is 64-0, and 0, Rory, for congressional endorsements and special elections and primaries. That is just an incredible stat for a president who's dealing with the issues he's dealing with. You know, to delve into yeah. some of the more sensitive issues we've been seeing over the course of the last uh, couple of days and playing out in the media, uh, let me just begin by saying the death of George Floyd is just an unimaginable tragedy that has hit this nation. You know, our heart breaks for him and his family. But it's important when we dissect this issue and we analyze how to move forward that we don't lose sight of the facts here. You know, I think Corey hit on a lot of key uh, facts to consider there. I think one of the things we need to realize in this country especially is that the issue we have with police in reality is not racism. In many ways, it's bad training. You know, I was having a great conversation with another one of your guests, uh, Todd McKinley, the other day. And we were saying, you know, a lot of these issues, especially, you know, the tragedy you saw with uh, Breonna Taylor, it wasn't because of racist police in that case. It was because somebody died in the middle of a crossfire because in the case of Breonna uh, Taylor, the police there basically served a no-knock warrant at a residence in Lexington, uh, or I believe it was Louisville. And when they entered, they were fired upon. And, of course, when a law enforcement officer is fired upon, they return fire. And, unfortunately, this woman was killed in the line of fire. And when you have tragedies like that, you can't out and out say, this is a cop executing an African-American. That's irresponsible reporting, and that's irresponsible perpetuation of falsehoods there. You know, if you want to talk about how we can train our officers better, I think the first place you need to look is at our our greatest asset, which is our military. Right now, we have special forces. We have Navy SEALs. They go into highly um, dangerous environments every single day, and they constantly perform apprehensions, executions. They do a lot of strategic apprehensions of high-value targets through nonviolent means. So you have them disarming people who are heavily armed to the teeth, and you don't see these tragedies. In my view, if you take some of the training that we're putting into our military and implement it to our officers here at home, you can see a lot of these incidents go down because officers will actually have the tools to disarm these individuals through nonviolent means. And I'll tell you what that means. That means you need more funding for police, not less. I think Eric Garcetti is an absolute moron to suggest the cuts that he suggested. And by the way, you know, not to correct you, but it was $250 million that he said he'd like to cut from the next fiscal budget. I think that's incredibly irresponsible to our law enforcement officers. Right now, they are on the front lines of a den of racial animus that the media has put us into. They're dealing with conditions we would see in Iraq or Syria. And the last thing you want to do in an environment like that is strip them of the tools they need to police our cities. With regard to the other reforms we need to make and we need to look into, I think we should absolutely look into – uh, officers who have previous misconduct. This guy, uh, this uh, Derek Chauvin guy, he had literally 14 to 20 complaints on his record before this incident happened. One of those incidents actually occurred when, of all people, Amy Klobuchar was DA of Hennepin County. I think we need to review that. I also think what we need to do more than anything else is hire competent uh, executives and sheriffs and chiefs when it comes to our law enforcement agencies. 
you know, you saw with Broward County in Florida, you know, several years ago, and you see in several other police did sheriffs and in many cases, um, executives of law enforcement bodies, they don't know what the hell we're doing. They're in many ways um, liberals who don't really understand policing itself. They get into this for the sake of politics, not their communities. I think we need to get rid of professional politicians because right now we need professional cops with respect to the communities that are suffering. And by the way, these are communities that are suffering under Democrats, Chicago, Detroit, New York. These are all cities that have literally been eroded to the core under Democratic mayors and Democratic governors. Their only resource and their only help right now is this president. Since the very beginning of his administration, we have seen funding for HBCs. We have seen opportunity zones in these very communities. And the one thing we've seen that we haven't seen anywhere else is we have actually seen reductions in police violence. If you want to take a look at fiscal year 2018 through fiscal year 2019, you see police shootings actually on the decline. But we don't hear about that. We don't hear about that at all. What we hear about is Donald Trump is racist. We hear Donald Trump is going to bring this country to its knees. And we hear this from the media. We don't hear it from people who are actually there on the ground who live through this. You want to talk about somebody who lives in a community? Look at um, – I believe this is an African-American gentleman who spoke out the other day. Uh, his Instagram name is uh, C. Moore, and he was saying that I've lived in these communities for years, and we're not suffering under Republicans. We're suffering under Democrats. We need to be listening to these people in these communities, and the person they are blaming overwhelmingly is not Donald Trump. It's failed leadership. It's decades of bad governing. It's the 1994 crime bill sponsored by Joe Biden. That's our problem. Very well said. Wow. Very well said. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and we need more uh, police in Washington, D.C., and we need more military, and we need more outsiders. And I've talked about this on my show many times, that Trump really created this outlet and this door and this road uh, for all these different, you know, people uh, to run for office, you know, I 100%. Rory, Rory, let me let me just let me just say this really quick. If you want to talk about you know the issues that we have in these communities, these communities have made it very clear to us over the course of the last two weeks that we need to take a serious look at how we do policing in America and how we interact with these communities. But it's a two-way streak. In many ways, you have communities that are taught where children are taught literally not to trust the police, that their only means of income come through either drug dealing or gun running. And we have, in many cases, criminality being taught to children since their time of birth. And I'm not saying that you know this is the fault of the parents, but if we're going to have an honest conversation here, we need both sides to walk into this conversation with open eyes. I think law and order officers across the country, the 680,000 cops in this country, they want change. They want to have these conversations. But you don't have civil rights leaders saying, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation you hear them saying defund the police, eliminate uh, qualified immunity. They're demanding ridiculous things that strip law enforcement officers of every tool they use to police these communities. And if these communities want real change, I have a very good idea of how they can do it themselves. Stop electing Democrats yeah. and give conservatives like Donald Trump and other Republicans he's endorsed a chance. That is your only path to prosperity and peace in many cases, because if you keep relying on Democrats, we're going to see a lot more tragedies like these and a lot less solutions. Very, very well said, Nolan. I agree with you. And the war, the war on cops needs to stop. I get there's bad apples out there. I get there's some bad ones. But majority are out there to help us, to save our life. If it wasn't for mm -hmm. them, we wouldn't be country. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all part 
of, of what we stand for, and, and they're putting their lives on the line. People think cops just go out there to be power trippers. No, that's not how it works. I mean, and, I and, and let me tell you, let me tell you this, though. This is, this is key here. This is very key. You know, when you You're look right. at the inflamed emotions on the ground, I think it's important that we acknowledge where those come from. It's not from Donald Trump at the end of the day, because all the African-Americans who are on the street, they get their information from one source, the media. Media. And if the media wants to be trusted as a neutral arbiter, they shouldn't be fanning the flames of racial tensions for ratings. Right. And but here's here's why they do it. We all know why, because division makes them Mm -hmm. more money. They create all these narrative and all narratives and all these headlines and people buy into it and they flock to it like sheep. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And when Chris Cuomo was saying the other night how, you know, we need to realize that sometimes protest is the language of the unheard and protests are not always peaceful or polite. He's saying that because he knows they'll never come to his suburbs. They'll never go to his gated estate in Westchester County, New York. What they'll do is they'll loot actual communities that are suffering. They'll loot up-and-coming African-American communities. And then when that happens and you see more and more African-Americans driven into lives of crime and poverty, you know who they'll blame? It won't be the media who egg them on or the protesters, the looters. They'll blame Donald Trump. Amen. Amen, Bradley. Bradley, you know, you're, you're amazing, man. You're a, a very uh, amazing source uh, of information. I mean, so much value, so insightful. Uh, I love having you on the program. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, and let's definitely keep making you a regular. Let's get, get you back here uh, often. Uh, but, yeah, I know you have a podcast. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Bradley Stein underscore. My podcast is The State of Stein. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Before I go, I would end this on just one note here. If people actually want well, to make cool. a difference in these communities, <laughs> instead of posting those dopey black squares, Post the names of black businesses you can go to to shop at and businesses that desperately need funding to rebuild. That's how you make positive change. I agree. I, I agree 100%. Um, absolutely. That, that is, you know, all these social media trends are so phony and are so counterproductive. They go nowhere. Uh, Bradley Stein, always a pleasure. Uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Uh, we'll be right back. Take care, Rory. Beautiful night. Take care. It's a beautiful night on the Rory Steiner Show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. 
Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people add changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Everybody coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. It is a beautiful night. We got, I want to introduce on the line right now, we have with us, I want to make sure, we have uh, doctor and talk show host, Dr. Nasser. Doctor, how are you? Did I pronounce it Hey, correctly? Rory, how you doing? Doing very well. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, Nasser Sheikh, you got it. Excellent, man. How are you? What's new? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Oh, my goodness. I've been listening to you over here, and, you know, I... <laughs> When I listen to the news and take a look at what's been going on and talk stuff about on my show, and then I hear you saying stuff, and I'm like going, okay, baby, I'm so fired up. I mean, here's the thing that's happening here, Rory, is that I talk about it, is that you know, we've got the alt-left. We've got the left-stream media, what I call that Democratic State Party-controlled media, and we've got these alphabet cable news networks, and this is what they've been tried to do since 2015, you know, June 16th, he's coming down the escalator. They have tried to derail his nomination, his inauguration, and his administration for the last, let's go back, almost four years now. They tried it, you know, with all kinds of things during the primaries. Then they went into Stormy. Remember Stormy Daniels and how they tried to take him down with that? That didn't work. <laughs> Then, remember, that, right, then they had 
the soulless devil, okay, Michael Avenatti, who at one time, remember CNN was actually thinking and basically trying to portray that this guy was going to be the Democratic presidential nominee. Yeah. I mean, Michael Avenatti, that piece of crap. Yeah. And, now and then what happened after that? Yeah, he's now he's about to go to jail on fraud charges. And look at the stuff that look at the stuff that he's been doing in terms of. I mean, they were saying he was giving Stormy Daniel like, like literally pennies on the dollar for her appearances and stuff, and she was still doing lap dances. And he's got all of her money, all of her appearances, whatever. And it's just unbelievable in terms of you know what this guy has done. Then it was Russia, Russia, Russia. That didn't do anything. The Russian collusion delusion, that didn't do anything. Then it was a Mueller report. That was going to take him down. It wasn't a Mueller report. Then remember, all of a sudden, it was the person, okay, who was going to, you know, that nobody would talk about. That person in the, bureauc- the bureaucracy, you know, the finger pointer, you know, he, nobody, nobody knows what happened with him. Then what happened? Oh, Kavanaugh came. They were going to take him down with the Kavanaugh hearings. That didn't work. Then the Ukraine scandal came on. And now COVID-19. And this is what they're doing. Now, I, I truly believe this. I say this so many times to people that I know. I say this on my show all the time. I said that if you had to ask and, and you gave truth serum to people like Chuck U. Schumer, <laughs> to Nancy, you know, I need another drink, Pelosi – to any of these Democrats, liberals, or leftists, any of them, and you were able to give them truth serum, and you said, listen, here's the two choices that you have. We could find a vaccine or a drug or something that right now, tomorrow, would instantly cure anybody of COVID in America and around the world. And you could do that, and you would have that tomorrow morning, start distributing it to people right away tomorrow, Friday. Or if you knew that you couldn't, that the vaccine was there, but if you give it, instead of giving the vaccine, you would know that Donald Trump would not be reelected come next this November. And you've got a choice. I'm telling you, I believe this with every fiber, every being of my heart, Rory, that those Democrats and the media, academia, the hypocrites in Hollywood, all those people would say, you know what? Forget about the vaccine. You know, we're going to choose door number two. If that means that Donald Trump loses in November and the COVID virus continues to kill people in America and around the world, it's worth it because these people have what I call Trump derangement syndrome. And you know what? Nothing. These people hate him. And I don't think they love America, but they hate him more than doing anything for this country or American citizens, period. I really believe that so much, so truly in my heart. Yeah, I mean, we've really never seen anything like what's going on right now. And they're, they're so threatened by him because he's an outsider. They, they, you know, they can't take it. They can't tolerate it. They, he's interfering and diminishing all the power that they've had for so long. And he's finally giving it back to us. And you know what? That's how it always should have been. But unfortunately, we polit- these politicians get greedy and they get caught up in their own little world. And uh, they sell their souls, and they sell us out to other countries. 
You're absolutely right. And the thing is that, um, you know, he is the most powerful person in the world. There's no doubt about that. But oh, he, he is can't the most popular. Yeah, but else. he can't do it himself. Go ahead. I want, to, I want to say this real quick. Whether whether people love or hate Trump, I believe this country says his name. I, I would say 97% of people in this country say his name once a day. I mean, that he's the most popular person in the world. Even in the world, I would say people mention his name once a day. He's such a huge, notable name. And he's an obsession. He's a phenomenon. And like I said, people obsess over him whether they love or they hate him because they want to know what he's going to say and do next. Oh, absolutely. There is nobody ever in the history of politics who is ever, you know, they used to call, they said that Ronald Reagan was a great communicator and he did great, obviously. And I consider myself a Reagan conservative and I think he was one of America's greatest presidents. But I'm telling yeah. you what, with what we had today in today's world, with everything that's out there, Donald Trump has shown he's given a blueprint, Rory. He's given a blueprint to conservatives. He's given a blueprint to us Republicans. And he's given a blueprint to rhinos and the never Trumpers. But that's the problem. Those guys don't want to know what that blueprint is. And that blueprint is that you go on the attack. That the best offense is not defense. The best offense is being on offense. He has shown, I heard you saying before, that he's delivered on like 80% of his promises. You're so right on that. I think it's even more. But you yes. know what? In three and a half years, he's delivered on so many promises. So many promises. And he's shown how to fight. And you know what? Not only that, he has shown that, guess what? You can... Do you can chew gum and walk at the same time, and you can you know drink two cans. You can drink diet sodas all day long. You can have as many ice creams, you know, cones as you want. You can do all of that, and you still go on the offensive. And you know what? You fight the academ. You fight the academias. You fight university and college professors. You fight the hypocrites in Hollywood. You use Twitter and you use the social media to go against, you know, PC culture. And that's what you need to do. It has to be an all-out offensive against everything because, you know what? They're coming at the beachheads. They're getting a foothold. They've already got a foothold on the sand. And I'm talking about, you know, going. you were talking about our children. I'm telling you what, and I tell this to everybody and to your listening audience. If you're a conservative and you have – and I'll tell you what – if your children, by the time they're 17 or 18 years old, and they go off to college, if their, if their values of conservatism are, no in, are, not, are, are not so ingrained in them by the time that they go off to college, the way our academic institutions are right now, I'm telling you, parents, oh, you I'm, are I'm going to lose your kids. You won't know what's going to happen to them after a semester or two. You're right. You know, I could talk to you all day. Um, I want you to stay on till the end, obviously. I only got a couple minutes left. I got one last guest, but tell everybody. We're going to make you a regular. We'll get you back next week. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, though. Oh, I really appreciate it. Listen, you can go to my website, which is uh, dot com. So it's drnassershake.com. You can go to my Twitter, which is at Show. That's at Nasser Shake Show, or you can go to our TV and radio website, which is ccrshow.com, ccrshow.com. I love it. 
dot com. Thank you, thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much, and we will talk. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate week. it. Absolutely. I want to go to uh, Matthew Lloyd Collins, uh, talk show host and doctor. Matthew, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts. Go ahead, my friend. Good evening, Roy. How are you this evening? Doing very well, buddy. Been a packed show. I mean, I'm sorry about the delay. It's just been one one thing after the other. I mean, the phone lines have been crazy. I, I, can't, I can't even get to everybody tonight, unfortunately. But I, I know I, know I understand. You're, you know, I know you're very involved and you're paying attention to what's going on, and I'm sure you're just appalled and you know about what we've come to as a country. And I mean, it's just crazy, man. Crazy times. Yes, very dystopian times, Orwellian times, you might call them. There's much to deconstruct and analyze tonight for sure, Rory. First and foremost, let us just take a moment here and let's take a temperature check. We've all been shuttered in for many months now based upon highly inflated statistical assumptions, and now the streets of America are literally burning. We need to get back to the idea of natural rights and take the opportunity through the pandemic lockdown public policy response, as well as the response to the current riots, to get back to the idea of natural rights as given to us by John Locke. John Locke largely influenced the writing of Thomas Jefferson to include the Declaration of Independence. To quote the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Whenever we get back to brass tacks, we go down to the axiomatic level, fundamentally reducing the conversations to the very basic types of understandings, our ontological foundation, the, re- the reality that we espouse. We have to get back to the idea of natural rights. Why does government exist in the first place, Rory? Government exists, according to the Declaration of Independence, to secure life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness among the consent of the governed. And that idea of the consent of the governed is key here. What do you think about those words today, Rory? How applicable are they in 2020? as they were in 1776. I agree. I agree. I agree 100%. Very well said. I mean, you're spot on. You're spot on. And, I mean, this is something that, you know, our founding fathers were, were terrified of, that one day it would come to this point, and it has. The, 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 you've got the inmates running the prison. I mean, in these streets. It has I mean, come you've to got these point. not doing their jobs. Exactly right. And we need to talk about what I call the plutocracy, Rory. If we really want to get down to brass tacks, if we want a fundamental understanding of where we are going wrong and where we have gone wrong over the last four to five decades in this country, it is due to the administrative plutocracy. We have progressive ideologue leaders on the left in our major city mayoral and state-level gubernatorial offices that just simply relish the power garnered to them and given to them by the lockdown. And once they felt that they were losing a grip on that power that they took in 
a less than just manner from the citizens of the United States. They've now decided to back the rioters. At least in their silence, they're backing the rioters. And those very rioters, as we know, are criminally destroying the businesses of so many of our fellow citizens of all colors. It is truly shameful, Roy, truly shameful. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And, you know, it, uh, it, it, the, the, the narrative uh, from the left and, and just the divisiveness and, you know, it, it's all a partisan game with these people. Uh, it really it is. It is a partisan game. That is exactly what it is, a partisan game. You said it exactly right. The progressive left, the leadership, they are hell-bent on the accumulation of power, Roy, and they will weaponize the traditional media as well as the social media against we the people to acquire more power. There's no doubt in my mind yep. this is about power. The pandemic, for example, was not what we were told. We were told the pandemic may kill up to 4 to 5% of Americans, 4 to 5% of the citizenry. That was orders of magnitude off. The assumptions the experts made that shuttered our entire economy and led to the class warfare we're seeing now on our streets, those assumptions were totally wrong, and we seem to have forgotten about that discussion. We're all moving forward now to the riots. These folks were wrong, Rory, and they need to be held accountable for being wrong, and we need to make changes going forward so we do not fall into the same pitfalls if there is another pandemic on the horizon. The second lie that I want to talk about a little bit tonight is that the statistics simply just do not support the claim of systemic police racism across the United States. The statistics don't support the idea of systemic police racism. In 2019, police officers fatally shot about 1,004 people in the United States, and the vast majority of those were white men, 376. In that very same year, 2019, 236 black Citizens were killed by police officers in 2019. I say men for a reason. This is much more of a, a problem for men. In 2019, since we're talking about statistics, of the entirety of the 1,004 citizens, the ones that are fatalities at the hands of police, 961 of those killings were killings of men, and 43 of those killings were killings of women. So if there's any group that really needs to be protesting at this point, it's probably men. Men should be standing up and saying, why are we getting killed so much more often compared to women? And why is our suicide rate five times higher than women? And why do we make up 95% of the population of our jails and 90% of the prison populations? Those are the questions men should be asking. What do you think about those questions right. in terms of the way men are treated in our society and what I, I call I, the war on men? I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, male, we need, to talk about, we need to talk more about men's rights. Because that's a huge thing right now. Uh, we need to save that for another yes. day, though. I, the feminists are the most evil people on earth because they're because they're so anti-male and so against you know wh what humanity was founded upon. And men are way more at risk. We need to make more men groups. We need to advance that narrative real quick. Though, tell <laughs> yes. them where they can find you. Have about thirty seconds. Real quick. Awesome. I'll end with this. There's so much misinformation and disinformation out there today, Roy. We saw white crowds today prostrating themselves before black protesters. We're seeing a level of craziness that's Orwellian and totally dystopian in nature. And I hope to heaven above that the nation comes back to its senses and my fellow citizens get a grip on reality and we rebuild our culture. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Real quick. Oh, thank you for having me on the show, Roy. They can find me on Facebook and YouTube at the Dr. Matthew Lloyd Collins Show podcast. I teach workshops for men and workshops for boys as well as learn meditation workshops. Email me for the workshop URLs at 
askdrmc at gmail.com, askdrmc at gmail.com. I love it. I love it. Thank you, sir. Uh, everybody, uh, it's been a fantastic show tonight. Thank you to all my sponsors, my audience, my guests, and my co-hosts. Uh, have a great weekend. I love you all. Until next week, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.